Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Rather than styles, you can follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. And you can tweet me at styles about this game and every other game this year. So, it's the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We are for you talking Thunder basketball and after every game. So, Monday through Friday, plus every game, which is why we're here on a Sunday doing a podcast recapping that game last night against Denver. A lot to discuss because a lot is in the air. Basketball season is back. The Thunder had their first game Wednesday, then a couple off days, but now it's full go. Now they played Saturday against the Nuggets, which will recap. They played tonight against Minnesota. We're going to recap that tomorrow. And then Tuesday, Thursday against the Clippers at home. It's going to be a jam-packed week. And uh, subscribe for free across all platforms so you don't miss it. So the game overview of the Thunder were without, of course, Chet Holmgren, who's out for the year. Uh, Isaiah Joe and Jalen Williams both were DNP CDs. And then Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara is out with an orbital fracture in case you missed it. Uh, he'll be out 7 to 10 days from Friday uh, and then eventually return and in all likelihood, of course, be wearing a mask. So the Thunder once again had a new starting lineup. And this is the second game and you've had two different lineups. And I want to continue this kind of... Uh, kind of measurement or exercise of giving you the starters and then also who played the five most minutes. So the Thunder starters were SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, Poku, Jeremiah Robinson. The five players who led the team in minutes were SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, and then Trey Mann and Darius Baisley were the other two of the five. So it's interesting to keep that to keep that track because Mark has made it known that you know the starters don't really matter. It's more about his rotations and more about who he plays and closes games with and, and who gets minutes, et cetera, et cetera. And so just keeping track of that so far, we've had uh, different answers for each game of who actually started and then who actually played the five most minutes. So it's just another caution of not getting too wrapped up in who actually starts the game. But of course it is a fun topic to discuss and address. Now, the biggest thing in this game to me was Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy. Double-double, 19 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, a block, only one turnover in 32 minutes. He shot 2 for 4 from 3, 50%. He shot 8 for 17 from the floor, 47%. I think that with Josh Giddy, the, the encouraging thing is it's all a small sample size and it's all relative, but we're continuing to see those improvements get carried over from last season to this season, from summer league to preseason, from preseason to this regular season of two of a two-game stint. The, the biggest areas to me that stand out, of course, the shooting looks more natural. It looks more comfortable. Uh, he's shooting 30% from three on the year. Uh, he shot two for four in this game. Obviously, it's only two-game sample size. That part of it, the percentage part of it doesn't really matter. But also, you can tell that he's improved as a rim finisher as he's been trying to do all offseason. Uh, the the rim finishing for Josh Giddy this year, five for eight at the rim. That is a great addition to his game to be a strong room finisher because off of that comes those dump off passes becomes those lob passes out of that floater, um, you know, out of that floater move that he has rim finishing for him will be very important just as improving his three point shot, which he seems to have done both so far on very small sample sizes. I think that also though, he's made a real and noticeable improvement as an active defender. There were more than a few times where he got kind of isolated on MPJ and was able to stay not only with him, but in front of him and force a pass out and deny him uh, the action he wanted to get into. So that kind of activity and, and intensity and just kind of 
engagement on the defensive end for a guy who is going to be predicated on, of course, his offense and his playmaking and things of that nature were two great things to see, the rim finishing and plus the defense. And then the turnovers. I mean, this is a guy that is passing the ball and trying to get the offense in rhythm, trying to get the offense in flow, and yet still there was only one turnover in this game. Now, of course, there's going to be games where he has four turnovers, where he has three turnovers, where he has no turnovers, etc. But getting those turnovers down to three or less per game is going to be interesting to see kind of how a, a guy like Giddy, who is built on passing the ball, which of course leads to more turnovers in general than, than any other player uh, will kind of handle that. And I think that this goes a long way too, not just in his passing, but his ball handling. His ball handling looks a lot better than it has in years past. So Josh Giddy was awesome in this game and he had a double-double. SGA was also incredible. He dropped 28 points in 33 minutes with seven assists and three rebounds plus a steal. He shot 45% from the floor and one for five from three. He is listed as questionable today against the Timberwolves in the second leg of a back-to-back due to a hip contusion. Um, my guess is he'll go through his pregame warm-ups and uh, all that kind of good stuff, the warm-ups and the shooting drills, everything, and then he'll see if he can give it a go or not. Again, he's questionable. So uh, this is this is just to make everyone alert of a possibility, but it's not anything um, set in stone, hence the questionable tagline. So we'll hear from Mark pregame about his availability. If I had to guess, I, I think that he'll go through the shooting drills and be all right, but that's just simply a guess, and, and we'll have to wait and see what Mark has to say. But hopefully he can play in the home opener for the Thunder against the Timberwolves tonight. But he's been awesome so far this year. Uh, had, a, had a 30-piece against Minnesota on Wednesday, dropped 28 on Saturday, and hopefully we see him play again on Sunday against Minnesota. So I want to discuss Lou Dort. And I think that with Lou Dort, you're seeing the repercussions of Chet Holmgren's injury and one of the big areas of impact of Chet Holmgren's injury is coming through with Lou Dort so far this year. Again, a very small sample size and you do not want to overreact, but I do think that this is a real um, kind of topic of discussion so far through two games. Ludor's offensive game has not been good. It just hasn't been. And there's not really any way to sugarcoat it. And I and I think that Lou Dort would be the first to tell you that uh, there is no good way to sugarcoat it and no good way to, to explain it other than it's just not been a good offensive year for him so far. And again, it's only two games, so it's not that big of a deal. But uh, I, I want to kind of use this as a springboard topic to discuss what Chet Holmgren could have provided for this team and what... Lou Dort needs to change to be a more efficient offensive player all coming up. But first I want to say right now about our good friends over at bet online folks, Bet online is incredible. You can go there and you can find any odds or news or anything that you want in the world of betting for NFL, MLB, NBA, uh, college football, college basketball is going to start up pretty soon. NHL, UFC, MMA, all that good stuff, golf even. Uh, and you can even bet on the Thunder tonight against Minnesota. The Thunder are 2-0 and against the spread. They did cover the 10.5 against uh, the Nuggets on Saturday. They are against Minnesota 8.5-point underdogs uh, against Minnesota at home. So 8.5-point dogs in the Paycom Center, the Thunder are. Will they go 3-0 and against the spread? Will they get their first one of the year? You can bet on that at Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. 
We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all platforms so you never miss an episode. And Check out the Game to Game podcast. I love this addition to the network. We all record a minute-long uh, video after every single game, giving you the biggest storylines uh, from that game. That way you can listen to the entire day that was in the NBA in 30 minutes or less. And in that time frame, you get the biggest story in you know, a quick soundbite of what the biggest story is and what the fans are talking about in that market. And if it catches your attention, go check out the full show of Locked On Blank Team, right? Locked On Thunder Locked on uh, Celtics, locked on whatever the case is. So check them out today at Game to Game. You can find that in the Locked On uh, NBA feed for the national podcast feed. Go check that out as well. Now, Ludor. Look, Ludor continues to struggle offensively. He did score 13 points in this game with four assists, seven rebounds, three steals. But he went one for seven from three and three for 13 overall. Now, hopefully these shots start to fall. But I think that what you're seeing here is the lack of Chet Holmgren on offense. If Chet Holmgren was on this team and he was fully healthy and he was playing, right, he then falls to what? Your second go-to guy as a scorer, right? You'd have Josh Giddy set things up. SGA is your first go-to scorer. Uh, Chet Holmgren is your, your second go-to scorer. Then that pushes Lou Dort down the rung a little bit, right, and down the pecking order to where you're not having him shoot wide open above the break threes with 17 seconds left on the, on the shot clock. You're getting more into an offensive rhythm and flow because you know that eventually, even if you have to use most of the shot clock, you can get a really good look from Shea or, or Chet. I think that that's a big area where if this roster was flushed out, and even if they were healthy, just like adding Jalen Williams and, and adding Chet Holmgren and everything else, you know, that it gives Lou Dort a more efficient role and a, and a better role for him that he can thrive in. Now, he has not made a corner three this year yet, but historically in his career, this is, of course, still early this year, historically in his career, he shoots over 40% in the corner. So so taking away those above-the-break threes, going more into the corner, and now, as he's worked on all offseason long, getting more looks at the rim than above-the-break three or a long mid-range. Like, getting more looks at the rim for him might be a good way to use his size and be a more efficient offensive player. So far through him this year, he's two for three. And Ludwig talked all about that at media day, about how he's trying to get better at rim finishing this season. And he's trying to get better at rim decision-making this season. Uh, he worked on that all off season long. So th- there are ways for Ludwig to become an efficient player. And look, he's still coming back from that injury that he hasn't played since, you know, before the all-star break last year. Now he's played two real games at a herky jerky preseason, even uh, in terms of the start and stopping of that. So the, Overall point is it's not a very good offensive start from Lou Dort. Still taking too many shots above the break from three, especially early on in the shot clock for my liking, even though that they're open and even though that the Thunder want to play fast, I just think that you could get um, more quality looks out of a possession than that, especially in certain settings of the game that these are happening in. But there is a pathway to improve for Lou Dort's offensive game. And there's a pathway to improve this season. I don't want to act like it's, it's all next season and all whenever Chuck gets back and whatever, but it is still in this season that he can improve. But it's important to also look forward and understand that, you know, you're going to have Chet Holmgren. 
you're going to have whoever you draft in 2023 that'll likely be a better offensive player than Ludor. Not a better defensive player, but a better offensive player than Ludor, which will, again, give you a better option to score. You're going to have Jalen Williams come back in seven to 10 days, who I think is already a better offensive weapon than Ludor is at this moment in time in his career. So these are all things that will help alleviate some of that that pressure on Ludort's offense. And as you take some of those those weights off of his back and, and, and the pressure of the, of the offense off of his back a little bit, then you're going to see him improve on the offensive end because he's not being asked to do too much and not being put in scenarios in which, um, not that he can't handle, but that he can't like especially thrive in. When, whenever you kind of reduce his role a little bit, he looks a lot better. And of course, he's going to play that lockdown defense and play uh, just a stellar game overall um, on the floor whenever you can do that. I do want to touch on Darius Baisley as well. Baisley off the bench, 21 minutes, uh, played more than both of the big starters, Jerry and Poku. Uh, six points, two uh, steals, three blocks, only two fouls. One of them was a bad foul on the jump shooter, um, and the jump shooter made the three-pointer, sent him to the line for a four-point play, uh, but only two fouls while playing that switchable uh, and high-impact defense with two rebounds is a nice uh, overall game for him in 21 minutes off the bench. Uh, he played a lot more to control. He had one drive where... Um, he lost the ball going up on that spin move that he likes to do. So really, you, you look at this, and when he came into the game, the, into, the entire energy of the game, complexity of the game, and score of the game changed. The Thunder got back into it. Uh, the Thunder kind of got a shot in the arm whenever he came back in. They played better defense whenever he came back in. He made two negative plays in 22 minutes, which is a far cry from where he was a year ago, right? The two negative plays are, of course, you wouldn't you don't love the, the spin move through, through the lane, losing the ball at the elbow, and you don't love the fouling a jump shooter, but he was trying to make a play there, obviously. But other than that, he was stellar in this game and offered a huge boost to the Thunder in this game. And so I, I think that it is important to recognize whenever Darius basically plays well, because there's always those who recognize whenever he doesn't play very well. And I think that it's also important to know when you're looking at Darius Basley, it's not necessarily that every time he's a good game, you're thinking, okay, now he's going to turn it on, now he's going to be an all-star. No. You're just looking for, can he be a respectable offensive player? That's how you should view Baisley's, Baisley's season this year. That's what the lens you should use to, to, to view him. In my opinion, you should look at it and say, is there a pathway for this player? Forget about what you think of him in the past. Forget about what you've attached to Darius Baisley. Is there a pathway for this player, based on what I've seen this season, that he can become a solid offensive player? Because if he can become a solid offensive player and he can defend at that elite level that he showed last year, then that's a really nice piece for your rotation that can really help you swing playoff series depending on the matchups you get put into in the future. Because guys who can guard one through five at a very, very, very high level are very, very, very hard to come by. And that can do it without fouling a ton. Very, very, very hard to come by. You're not going to see that very often. And you're not going to get the opportunity to get that player very often. Now, the problem is, of course, he has not been able to be an efficient offensive player yet in his career. That's been the glaring hole for him the entire time. And there's no debating that. He's been a bad offensive player the entire time in the NBA. But I think that this year, he's getting put into scenarios in which he's better equipped for, right? He's not built to stand in the corner or stand above the break and wait on a three-point attempt and jack one up. Now, it just so happened that in this game, he only took three-pointers. But uh, in general, his better role is as a rim-running big who can stand in the dunker spot, cut behind the defense, 
Uh, again, pick a role stuff that, that you can get into. Like all that kind of stuff is where I think that he will thrive in in his career. And I think you'll see him in more of those scenarios this season. And does he need to be in the starting lineup? Look, again, the starting lineup stuff does not really, really matter to, to Mark or uh, or anyone. It shouldn't matter to. But why not try him tonight against Minnesota and go three for three of changing your starting lineups? Uh, because he can provide you size. Now, it just so happens that I feel like we've seen the best of Baisley whenever he comes off the bench. And is that just a coincidence? Like, is that is, would he have played that same way no matter if he came off the bench or started? Who knows? But it feels like we get a more under control Darius Baisley when he does come off the bench. So maybe that plays into the decision-making here for Mark and what he wants to do tonight against Minnesota. But Baisley, in general this year, going going back to the last two preseason games plus these two games right here, have been has been really good as a player. And that is, to me, the the most interesting part of this bench unit is, is can Baisley swing it? Can Muscala swing it? Can Wiggins swing it? And if those, if those guys are going to play well, then you can win some games and you can close out some games eventually. But this team is young and this team is going to struggle to close out those games as we've already seen. These are two games that we've watched this, this Thunder team play. The youngest team in the NBA, the Thunder are, and they've played two teams that people think can be a top half of the West team in this stacked Loto Western Conference that, that people believe that these two teams, Minnesota and Denver, can be in that upper echelon of the Western Conference, and they've taken them down to the wire. And a big lift of that came from Mike Muscala, who had 18 points off of the bench and shot 60% from the, from the floor and 57% from three. He had six rebounds and an assist. I mentioned on the show on uh, Friday or I was just saying on Thursday, uh, whenever we recap the, the Minnesota game. On top of being young, you can't compound that problem with your two veterans, Muscala and Ken, Kenneth Williams, playing poorly. If you if you do those things, if you have those two guys not play well, plus young, plus late game scenarios that you haven't really been in before, you're going to lose games and struggle to close them out. So whenever Muscala played well, this time it didn't get them a win, but it did lift them to a position to win the game. So without Muscala playing this well, this game would have been a 10 12, 15 point loss with Muscala playing well. He got you back up and, and kind of got you on that bell curve back up toward, toward a close game that then the youth could not close necessarily because you're playing a team that has been in playoff games before and been in playoff series before and have played in interesting and in tough environments before. And they had the emotional lift of playing their home opener, which is always um, a battle that you're going to go up against in these first few games, like against Minnesota Wednesday and against Denver on um, on Saturday. And then you get that huge lift tonight as your home opener is in OKC tonight against Minnesota, which I'm interested in to see. I can't wait to be down there and be in the arena tonight. Uh, the Thunder in this game, though, against Denver, never trailed by 10 or more points. They trailed by nine as the largest lead for Denver. They led once by six, OKC did. There was 11 times that this game was tied and 11 times that this game changed hands in terms of the lead. The Thunder lost three betting battle by uh, three. They're one and one this year on the, on the glass. The Thunder had six fewer turnovers than Denver. They won points in the paint 50 to 38. They lost second chance points 20 to 11. They dominate fast break points, OKC does, 18 to five. Now, fast break points, of course, can fluctuate game to game, obviously with different you know, settings, but... Mark did say publicly after the game on Wednesday against Minnesota that the team needs to play faster whenever SGA and Josh Gear are on the floor. Well, they got more fast breaks in this game and they capitalized on more fast breaks in this game than they did on Wednesday. 
The Thunder had six and double-figure scoring. So did Denver. And now they play Minnesota on the second leg of back-to-back. This is the second time in three games that um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City plays Minnesota. And it's the home opener, which is always fun. My biggest things to watch for, do we get a different starting lineup again? I just, I just, I'm interested to see if he changes it again. Third straight time. And can the Thunder keep Anthony Edwards in check again? Because, you know, let's face it. Wednesday against the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards was not a very loud player. He didn't, he didn't really pop and he didn't really leave a, a mark on that game. So can you keep him in check again and then just worry about the bigs? Because if Anthony Edwards is going off and he's cooking, plus they have that mismatch down low, it's going to be a very uphill battle for the Thunder in this one. So I want to watch how they handle and defend Anthony Edwards in this game. So this is a bonus podcast, a weekend podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to discuss this game um, against Minnesota on the podcast. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.